Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. We started off in chapter one, and I tried to give you a sort of picture of the, as it, as it were, the whole book and the way it fits into the whole of Scripture. So this is one, this is not the only one, but this is one of the pictures of what it means to be a Christian and what the Christian life's all about. And that is this whole idea that the Christian life is a, a romantic thing. It's a love song. It's a, it's a delight. It's a heart response to God. And it's put in the context of the bridegroom, Christ, loving the church. So that's what we did the, the first time round. Last week, we looked at specific episode in the, in the life of, um, in, in, the, in the Song of Songs, which was the, the bridegroom comes and knocks on the door of the, 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 the woman's chamber, and he says, open to me, open to me, my bride, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. So let's um, gather ourselves together, guys. And then I tried to show you that another way of looking at um, the, the poetic books of the Bible is to, is to put them against the whole of Scripture, but also about relevant Scriptures that you can put alongside it. And there are two very obvious ones. Well, not, maybe not so obvious, I'm being rude, but there's, t- there's two clear New Testament um, Scriptures that lock into this message about the, the, the bridegroom knocking on the door. You'll, you'll probably be familiar with one. Most of you will remember the one. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens to me, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. This fantastic offer from the, from the, the bridegroom, the head of the church, knocking on the church, desiring to come in among her. There's another one, actually, as well, which is um, equally relevant. Jesus, in one of his parables, says this. He is urging his disciples, be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes at knocks. Which I think is, is almost an exact, for, for me, is an exact commentary on, on Song of Songs, chapter 5. So I've tried to show you a few different ways you can look at these poetic scriptures because one of the things we want to do as elders in this church is to encourage you to access the Bible for yourself. We cannot possibly hope to cover the whole Bible preaching to you. Well, we could if we have many decades. I certainly won't be, as Nana so kindly pointed out to me last week. (laughs) More more of that later, my Nana. We are attempting to look at a few books this year. We're, gonna, we're looking at the Song of Songs, but I'm only just looking at three, three little bits of, of eight chapters, so I can't access the whole of Song of Songs for you either. Um, Chris is going to do two next month on the book of Jonah, four chapters. Again, he's not going to be able to cover the whole book. He's just giving you an appetizer. <laughs> Poor Dave has got 66 chapters of Isaiah to do in three weeks. <laughs> so have mercy on him, pray for him. <laughs> so all we are, we are trying to do is to give you tools, inspiration, ideas to help you access the stuff for yourself. Because we want to be a church that is hungry for God, longing for his word, being fed by his word. So the last two things I've done, the last two things I've done have been more like the big 
I've been trying to give you the, the whole picture. I've been trying to cover several different verses, several different scriptures. The way I like to think of this is like uh, Doreen's photography. Doreen likes landscape photography. And when I think of that, I think of a place we used to go walking in Surrey. And you stand on the top of this hillside, looking down into a valley, and there's, there's the beautiful meadows flowing out in front of you. Maybe a few little dots of sheep dotted around the place. And even a few little tiny specks of colour with the little flowers in the meadow. And you look down and you see the, the little farmhouse with the smoke slowly curling up into the sky, surrounded by trees. This beautiful, idyllic sort of landscape picture. You're getting the big picture. But then Dorian can wander down into the meadow and she can take one of those little dots of colour, a flower, and she can do macro photography. That is where you look at one little detail and you see the amazing detail in one little, one little bit of it. Landscape photography, the big picture, macro, looking in on the detail. We need both. That's why I read the Bible. And that's why I also meditate on the Bible. I'm going to give you half a verse this morning. Just half a verse. Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 5. Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? So there's a question, who is that? It's picturing something, and it's, it's, it's picturing the bride coming along, leaning on her bridegroom. Who is that? This is the church. It's talking about the church of Jesus Christ. I like to think of it when I'm meditating on, on verses of the Bible. I'm trying to try and get to the emotion, the sort of feeling, the tone of voice behind it. So this isn't just a factual question. This isn't like a sort of A-level question. What is the answer to this question? Who is this? Bride of Christ. It's not, it's not like that. There's, there's something else in it. I think there's a, there's a note of wonder in it. This, who is this? Who is this amazing thing springing up out of the wilderness? And that's the way we should think, be thinking about the church, the church of Jesus Christ, this incredible miracle. Some of you will have read um, Victoria's um, thing on the WhatsApp this month, just, just talking about the, the revival that's going on in Nepal. Those are our brothers and sisters, folks. Many of you probably weren't aware that one of the biggest revivals in the world at the moment is happening in Muslim Iran. Multitudes turning to Jesus. We are part of that. Who is this church? And then you've also got local church, the wonder of a local church. Here we are, a, a wonderful little cross-section of the community of, of our north of Birmingham. Fantastic. Coming from different backgrounds, different educations, different races, um, different teachings, even different experiences of God. Wonderful, wonderful mixture of people. So who is this coming up from the wilderness? Now, I like this. I like this. It's, it's a sense, this, this, um, this bride of Christ is on a journey. There's a progression. It's moving. It's going up. It's moving up. And I want to encourage you. If you felt a bit sort of... Um, devastated maybe by the last few weeks and you think goodness me I don't experience that Jesus is not the absolute delight of my heart 
I don't jeep out of bed in the morning and think, oh, wonderful God, here I am again. I love you. I praise you. Uh, maybe that is not your experience. Maybe you, you're thinking, hang on. You know, I'm not really into this. Well, we're all on a journey, folks. We're all moving towards something like that. God holds up to you an ideal of what the Christian life is meant to be, a, a passionate love relationship with Jesus. And we're on a journey. We're getting there. We're growing. Paul talks about growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Growing. Again, Peter talks about um, coming as, as newborn children, longing for the pure spiritual growth by which you may grow up into salvation. So there's a, there's a growth, there's a progression. I want to explain to you also one of the progressions that each one of you, if you're a Christian, you're, or, you're on this journey and you're somewhere along this journey. Best way I can describe it is by John the Baptist's experience of meeting Jesus in John chapter 1. He sees Jesus coming towards him and he, he comes out with this fantastic statement. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's the first place that we all start off as Christians with some sort of vision like that of Jesus. Jesus who can fix my life. Jesus who can do things for me. Jesus who can sort out my guilt, my sin, my habits. So Jesus, who, the God who does something for me. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It took one day for John the Baptist to move on. Because the next day, he saw Jesus walking. And you know what he said? He said, behold the Lamb of God. Because this is more than what just Jesus can do for me. It's who he is. And each one of us, we need to be on that journey, moving from, yes, thankful, um, delighted, um, enjoying what God does for us. Of course, he does stuff for us. And as I'm going to say to you this morning, we desperately need him to do more stuff for us. But actually, when you take all of those things, you move beyond them to look at the beautiful son of God, this magnificent savior. And you fall in love with him for who he is. And whether you feel it or whether he does answer your prayer or whether he blesses you is not really relevant. The, the relevant thing is he is a magnificent saviour. Hallelujah. Coming up from the wilderness. So this is a picture of the who is this coming up from the wilderness. Um, the wilderness, this another picture of the, which is talked about a lot in the Bible. The, the wilderness, this picture of a people coming out of a desert towards the promised land. They're moving, they're on a journey. I just want to touch on a few things that appear, appear to me in that. Wilderness life for the people of Israel was a life of learning to depend on the miraculous. So in Egypt, they had the river Nile, which provided water for them continually. They didn't need to pray for it. They didn't need to, in one sense, they didn't need to believe God for it. It was there. The river flowed every day without any exception. The wilderness is a different thing altogether. In the wilderness, if you don't get water, you die. And there's no obvious water around the place. You've got to find the oasis. Or you've got to split the rock and miraculously produce a, a, a mammoth supply of water. So they were learning to depend on a God who supplied their needs every day. 
Food in Egypt, okay, it may not have been gross, great, but it was, at least it was a ready supply of food. They were growing stuff, watered by the Nile. There was lots of stuff for them to, to eat. Wilderness is very different. Wilderness is no food, or very little food. They were dependent on a God's miraculous provision for them every day, the manna came down miraculously from heaven six days a week. So they were learning to depend on God. And that's what I want to talk to you about. If you only get one thing this morning, just listen to this one phrase. Lean on your beloved. I think this is a most magnificent and important way of looking at the Christian life. Being a Christian is leaning on your beloved. And being a church it's like that. Lean on your beloved. I, I used to hear people um, criticize Christianity, and um, one of their criticisms was, oh, you know, you're just, a, you're just a weak person. And because you're a weak person, you need a crutch to get through life. That was their sort of mockery of what it meant to be a Christian. Oh, this is just for weak people who can't manage themselves, who haven't got it all together, and stuff like that. It's a very cynical sort of thing. The truth is, first, first of all, I don't need a crutch. I need a life support system. So the, the criticism is far too small. But secondly, every one of us are leaning on something. We are all leaning on stuff. And actually, it's only when the stuff is taken away or becomes a bit uncertain that you suddenly realize this is not a pleasant place to be. This is one of the criticisms that the... Um, was told to Israel, this is a, 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 I'll just give you a brief historical context. The Assyrians are basically um, taking over Israel, and Israel start to betray their Assyrian masters, and they start to look for Egypt. Maybe if we got Egypt to help us, we can boot out these Assyrians and get our independence back. And they say to Israel, they say this, Behold, you are trusting now in Egypt that broken reed of a staff, which will pierce the hand of any man who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. So this is talking about broken reeds. Now the problem with that is it may seem okay most of the time, but you're walking along using it as like a sort of accessory to your walk, but when you actually have to put your weight on it, then it pierces your hand, because it's not gonna support you. I wanna make a few observations about what's happening to us as a nation politically at the moment. Three years ago, we were proudly going on as a nation, making our own plans, booking our holidays, assuming life would go on the same forever and ever, and we could decide what we'd do next year and next month and, and without really much recourse to God. And suddenly God flicked a little virus so small that you can't even see it with the naked eye into the world, and the whole world came to a halt. And we suddenly realized how dependent we are on God. That's true of every one of us. Nana quite correctly, correctly told me last week that I'm now on borrowed time, because I've reached the age of 70. <laughs> he's true, he's absolutely true. Because the, the years of our life are 70, or perhaps, by reason of strength, 80. But they're all toil and trouble, and they are soon fly away and gone. That is the truth about your life. Now, I didn't mind Rand saying that to me, because I had stolen a march on him 
Because about 20, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I began to realize that was true anyway. And I began to pray a prayer every morning, or virtually every morning, which is, thank you, God, that I've woken up alive this morning. Because that is a miracle. You can't, you can't guarantee that. None of you can guarantee you'll go to sleep tonight and you'll wake up Monday morning. None of you. Anything can happen to you. The doctors among us will know the awful truth of that, more perhaps than you do. Where was I? Can't remember. COVID. So COVID was like a warning to wake us up to the fact that we are dependent on so much for the future. We cannot make um, plans without reference to God. Now we've got two crises, there's lots of crises going on at the moment, but there are two main crises in our nation. There's the NHS, which is creaking, and there's the economy, which is crumbling. And I want to ask you, are you leaning on those things for your health and well-being? Money is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with money. We all need money. But trusting in money is a broken reed and it will pierce your hand because you cannot serve God and mammon. And if you're struggling at the moment or you're beginning to get fearful about the, your finances, then I think this is, this is the gracious hand of God giving you an opportunity to turn back to him with all your heart and seek him afresh and trust him afresh. Because with every lack we have in our life, it becomes an opportunity for God to provide for us. The NHS, we've all grown up, every one of us in this room, have grown up with an NHS system which has been fantastic. It's an amazing gift from God to us as a nation. This wonderful provision of medical care. For many of us, that's become our trusting point. Our health, if you're unwell, you go to the NHS. You go to your doctor. That's where you go. That's your first port of call is the NHS. Why? 1948, was it, the NHS was established? It's not that long. A few hundred years back, they didn't have any NHS. They didn't have much medical services. People had to rely on God. And my, my Bible tells me that the Lord is the healer. And our first port of call, if we've got, call, if we've got medi uh, medical problems, is God. It's perfectly appropriate to go to the doctor, go to hospital. And those, are, those are wonderful provisions of God. I'm not knocking those things at all. But your first port, port of call is Jesus Christ. Your trust is in Jesus, whether that's going to come through medicine or not to heal you, your trust is in Jesus. So are you leaning on him? There's a wonderful provision in the New, in the, in the New Testament for the church, local church. It says this, it says, in James chapter 5, it says this, if you are sick, call the elders of the church and they will pray for you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord and you'll be healed. Not many people in this church have availed themselves of that. Chris and I are fairly unemployed at the moment. But we're here. This is, this, is the, this is the Bible. I believe the Bible, personally. I believe the promises of God. I believe the ways of God. So I really encourage you to take, take hold of that. There's lots of other promises about other things you can do. How did you become a Christian? How did you become a Christian? Did you come working your way to God? Did you come 
um, seeking to win his approval? Did you come uh, cleaning up your life so that you might be acceptable to God? Or did you just come leaning? Just says, I'm, I'm all in, look, God. I've got no hope unless you do something miraculous for me. Because I'm a sinner. I'm rotten to the core. I'm shut out from the mercy of God. I'm destined for hell. Unless some miracle, miracle happens, I'm a goner. And I trust all of you who became Christians, if you did become a Christian, what you did was you lent, you lent on your beloved. You trusted in Jesus and received a free gift of salvation. Paul says, to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. The one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift as his due. I think most of you have understood that about the, the initial part of becoming a Christian. You become a Christian by leaning on Jesus. But you stay a Christian by leaning on Jesus just the same. Because many of us get this idea that, you know, okay, God's let me in. God's given me this gracious gift of salvation. But now I've got to work it out. I've got to do stuff. I've got to be more disciplined. I've got to pray more. I've got to make more resolutions and see them fail year after year after year, but I still keep running up and striving to make myself more acceptable to God. We move from grace to law, from receiving a free gift to wages, trying to earn our way. Folks, you can relax. May God cause our strivings to cease as we relax and rest in this wonderful grace of God. You can lean on him. There's lots of other ways of the Bible expressing this truth. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. That's a major area for most of us because we've been taught, trained, educated to, to work it all out with our minds, to believe in the rational, to think it through and to trust what we can think and through understand. Perfectly good to think it through. You're meant to have a mind. You're meant to think. You're meant to work things out. You're meant to plan. But you don't trust utterly in what you understand. Because Christianity is, is beyond comprehension. Grace goes way beyond understanding. And the miraculous power of God goes way beyond understanding. We trust. We lean. It's another way for saying humility, really. Peter advises us, tells us all to clothe ourselves with humility. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and in due season he will exalt you, casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. The lovely thing about leaning on someone is, I suspect, because you're, when you're standing upright, all your cares just sit there right on your shoulders, weighing you down. But if you just lean... They tend to drop off onto the other person. And that's, that's how we're meant to be living. It's not saying there aren't things, big challenges in our lives, things to worry about, things to be concerned about, things to be frightened about, challenges. But the, the person who's leaning, they just seem to just drift off onto this beautiful saviour. Casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. So I just want to finish with a, 
a few very simple, practical steps you can make a start on this. I said last week how sin starts with small things, starts with our attitude, our thoughts, but if they're left unchecked, they cause absolute disaster to us. Sin starts small and grows big. Righteousness starts small and grows big too. (laughs) Small steps can have amazing consequences. So I'd like to challenge you all to do what I've done. Whether you're 70 or 12, I challenge you to start to discipline your mind to think of every day as a gift from God. Every day is a gift of mercy, a gift of God to you. One small step. Every one of us could do that. Easy, easy, easy. But as you do it, day after day, it begins, starts to set your mind in a different mindset. You start to think grace, not law. You start to think dependence and not arrogant self-sufficiency. So, that's basically it. That's basically it from the Song of Songs. I hope I have given you enough to um, help you get your teeth into this wonderful book. This applies to every area of the Christian life, actually, this whole thing of leaning. My adventure with the Bible began, began with when I realized that I couldn't understand it myself. I'd been a Christian most of a year, and I'd, I saw other people enjoying the Bible, and I was so frustrated. I read it, I read it, I read it, and it seemed like a, a closed book to me. <laughs> I couldn't get through to it, and I came to the end of my resources. I said, I can't do it, God. I cannot understand this. I can't get into the good of it. And I gave up in one sense. And then I started reading this book, Song of Songs, and suddenly God made it alive to me. How about leaning on God for your reading of the Bible? Give up your minds, all your cleverness and your intellectual and your struggles, and and rely on the Holy Spirit's inspiration. Most of us find prayer very difficult. Paul agrees with you. Paul says, I don't know how to pray. I do not know how to pray. But the Spirit helps me in my weakness. You you can give up. You can say to God, I can't get the hang of this praying praying thing. I can't get into it. Help me. Help me. Help me. I'm leaning on you, Spirit of God. Right. I would like to start off, just finish off by just uh, praying for anyone who wants to. And this whole issue of casting all your cares on him for he cares for you. I, 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 want to, I want to ask the Holy Spirit, just come and do something way beyond what I can do. I can speak words, but I can't change your life. I, I can't put my word as a living seed in your heart to transform you. Only the Spirit of God can do that. So if that applies to you, I'd like you to stand. If you want to stand, as it were, making a declaration, today I'm leaning on Jesus Christ. Today I'm casting all my cares on him because he loves me.